millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. Welcome back to this special episode of the Leaving Eden Podcast. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen. And I am cult survivor, cult expert, Sadie Carpenter. How are you doing today, Sadie? I am doing great. I am so excited to get into our interview here and talk about the very recent documentary, Shiny Happy People, which not only talks about some of the dark secrets of the Duggar family, but more importantly, discusses the IBLP, the Institute in Basic Life Principles, which is the cult in which the Duggars were involved and uh, for which 19 Kids and Counting was primarily a PR television show. Yes. Um, and as a special treat, we were able to get a couple of the contributors to the documentary. Um, if you watched it, you'll have seen them both get um, I, what I would consider significant screen time, significant interview time. We have uh, uh, Lindsay Williams and we have Chad Harris. Lindsay Williams, uh, she has TikTok and Instagram under uh, Colt Chronicles. That's where you'll know her from. And Chad Harris is on TikTok and Instagram as Arch Radish. They were both featured quite prominently as IBLP survivors in the Shiny Happy People documentary. And we recorded an interview uh, with both of them uh, in the week after it came out. So we're really excited to share that with you. Um, I know a good deal about the IBLP because it is so similar to the IFB world that I was raised in. So many of the beliefs and the proof texting and the Bible verses are are shared between the two groups, but often the 
end goal or the overarching ideas can be a little bit different. So I'm really happy to have Chad and Lindsay here with us because they know what they're talking about. I've studied the IBLP extensively as an outsider, but these are people who grew up in it, personally met Bill Gothard, and I am sure they have a lot to say. Do you have any... um over before we get into the interview before i do my whole like intro spiel do you have any general thoughts just like a, a general reaction to the documentary my i think my biggest reaction to the documentary is how good of a primer it is for people who know nothing or very little about the iblp there were still things that i picked up on for the first time little details that i caught that i had not caught in all of my research previously and small surprises and things that I had always suspected and had confirmed by the documentary. So there's plenty there for people who know a lot about the IBLP. But what stood out to me is how well this tells the basic story of what is the IBLP? How is it related to the Duggar family? How does this relate to the Duggar family's reality TV shows? It's the, it is such a good overview that, that nobody would feel lost even if they'd never heard of the topic before and that there is still extra bonus content for those of us who are familiar with the content. That's what I was really impressed by. I completely agree with you. I remember when we first started doing this show and you were, you almost had to like talk me into doing episodes about the Duggars because I was like, why is this important? Who, who cares about this uh, reality TV family? And I think that this is such an excellent primer for why this is actually important and, and what influence that this has on real people's lives. And I thought that, that, and that this documentary did a great job of answering all of the questions that I first had when I first started getting involved in the Fundiverse when we started doing this podcast. I know. I wish we had had this like, <clears throat> like three years ago because this would have saved me so much time explaining this to you. <laughs> I mean, and if you want to go back and listen to those old episodes from like 2021 and, and like 2022, when we talked about uh, the, the Duggars family, and those are part of our back catalog. So you can go check this out. Check those out if this is your first time tuning into the show. Um, my personal thoughts were just general overview. I thought that the documentary was very well done. When I saw the previews for it, I was a little bit afraid that it was going to be sensationalized and that it was going to be rather than being like really deep digging into the the legalism and and this and that and the other thing that it was a lot of it was just going to be snarker bait like oh they had this crazy rule they had that crazy rule oh right but what i ended up finding out was that the 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 producers the people that were behind making this documentary they did what I would call taking the extra step where, you know, I think that if you see something that is like what they could have done was they could have just like gone all surface level and said, like, these are the Duggars, they're fundies and their son's a pedophile. And they took the extra step beyond that and said, well, this is the fabric of the fundamentalism and this is how it's influenced culture and then they took the step beyond that as well to say this is what it means to you who is watching it and that's not a step that i think that everybody who engages with this content takes and i think that they did a very good job of that so that was my general opinion of it i think that it was well done and i think that they did a, 
another thing I think they did a good job of was uh, focusing so heavily on uh, prioritizing the stories of and experiences of survivors and people who have gotten out and how this really is an abusive and coercive environment. So I, they did take it seriously, and I thought that was good. Well, I want to get into talking about it more with some of the folks who were in the actual documentary. I am so excited to hear their thoughts and to hear about how this affected them personally as well with this um, documentary coming out. I know that a lot of people, both IDLP survivors and survivors of related groups like the IFB were really deeply affected by this. Yeah. I mean, we've seen all of the comments. And all of the people who have, you know, been tagging us in every single internet post relating to this document or uh, documentary I've seen. Just I like, appreciate that. Like the, at this stage, there's no way I could keep up with everything if people didn't conveniently put it all in one place for me. Yeah. Without further ado, let's get into this interview. I just need to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host, cult expert and cult survivor. A fundamentalism survivor sadie carpenter's life in and escape from uh christian fundamentalism we talk about this cult we talk about other cults we talk about religion we talk about fundamentalism we talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole and it is our goal to promote freedom of mind freedom of thought and freedom of religion so if you like our show if you are a fan of our show then there's a couple of things that you can do you can support us on patreon so you can go to patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast where we have extended uncensored ad-free versions of most of our episodes including other bonus content we have an episode where we reviewed a sex manual that was the sex manual that uh i believe is popular within the iblp intended for pleasure yeah we reviewed intended for pleasure and we also reviewed that um, is yeah that is the book that jim bob handed to sex pest duggar on camera in one of the early first couple season episodes of however many children and counting it was at the time and that was when he was talking about the legos um right <laughs> which just makes me cringe but the we, infamous conversation we reviewed that book on our patreon um we also reviewed some other uh, uh fundy content for patrons we, we we have bonus content on our patreon and it's patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast you can join our facebook group if you want to join in the discussion with other fans there's about three thousand people in there so there's good discussion um that's facebook.com slash groups slash eden exodus we have a subreddit as well reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus if this is your first time listening to the show we've got a lot of uh episodes that are about the Duggars. We also have episodes that are about other branches of fundamentalism, especially the one that Sadie grew up in. So you'll want to check out our five-part series, First Family of Fundamentalism from fall of 2020. Um, that was when we really first started getting started on the show. And that's one of the, the really primary episode series is about this, uh, about Sadie's life and about the environment that she grew up in. Um, anything else, Sadie, before we get into our interview? I don't think so. Great. Why don't you hit us with a TW and then we'll be on our way. In general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show, including but not limited to suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, and PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we'll mention at least a few of those topics. And in this episode, unfortunately, I imagine we'll mention 
almost all of those topics, if not all of them. In this particular episode, I know that we will talk, be talking about child abuse and sexual abuse and spiritual abuse. And I would not at all be surprised if racism and misogyny and oppression of women and other things come up in our interview as well. So we will do our very best to give a heads up before anything extremely egregious comes up. And we encourage our listeners to take care of themselves however they need to while listening to this episode and after listening. Thank you so much for that, Sadie. Um, we're going to get right into this interview. We are here, uh, Sadie and I are here with Chad Harris and Lindsay Williams. You know them from the Shiny Happy People documentary that you've seen on Amazon Prime. They were both uh, contributors to it. I think when we were off mic, Lindsay, you described Chad's contribution as the the like the David Attenborough of Fundy Dumb. <laughs> I sure did. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most beautiful narrator on the planet. This there is so much to unpack with this documentary. I loved this documentary because and I said this in the intro a minute ago, but it is such a good primer for people who came into this not knowing anything about the IBLP, but there are all these little little hints and tricks um and little tiny tidbits of fun new information for people who have been following this story for a while or who were raised IBLP. Now, I know that um, you may not be able to tell us everything, but how about we start with how did you get approached to be in this documentary? What was the early stages of that like? Well, I'll start on that one. Um, I actually am involved in several uh, survivor groups for IBLP on Facebook, and a good friend of mine and one of them actually posted that he had spoken to a couple of producers uh, for this project. And he said that it was just a, a great experience, a great interview. They were very empathetic. And at that point, I had already been talking about IBLP on TikTok for uh, some time. Um, under my uh, uh, username Archradish, and I thought, well, I'm already telling the story. I mean, I'd love to talk to them. I'll tell it to anybody who will listen, frankly. So um, I reached out, and we had a couple of Zoom interviews. This was around late 2020, if I recall correctly. So it was during the pandemic. There was no way any of us were actually going to meet in person. But uh, we had a Zoom interview, and then we had another Zoom interview. And I want to say we had a third Zoom interview after that. Uh, it was Olivia Chris, the director, uh, who I mostly talked to. And um, yeah, after uh, the documentary got picked up by Amazon, uh, they said, okay, well, we want you for an in-person interview. So you know, be here at the, at this time and date. And, uh, we just kind of went into it from there and the interview happened back in January of 2022. Um, and you know, I've also been uh, working on it like behind the scenes, like, you know, providing materials and any questions that, you know, they might've had on the production team and everything, uh, gladly offering up anything that we could. So that was pretty much uh, how I got started in it. So, Lindsay, did you two connect before this documentary process or was it during or after? How did you and Chad become friends? So Chad and I became TikTok friends, I believe, first. Like we were aware of each other on TikTok. But I also was in these Facebook groups. And I believe the same individual that had had posted to Facebook groups saying, hey, there's some people that are interested in potentially doing a documentary. And if anyone wants to talk to them, you know, 
reach out to this email address. And I saw Chad also say, hey, I talked to them. They were so amazing. And they're really passionate about this project and, and you know, can kind of vouch for the feelings that he got about it. And I was like, well, if it's good enough for Chad, it's good enough for me. <laughs> so I emailed them. Yep. And then they, they went and watched a bunch of my TikToks before we even had a Zoom call. And so the Zoom conversation that we had, I was in New York, they're in LA, and I we we Zoomed for almost three and a half hours. Um, and I basically just like uh, info dumped <laughs> my, my story to them. And they were like, this is incredible. Would you be willing to potentially do a documentary with us? And I was like, you know what, let's see where it goes. I at that time, at that point in time, I was just a fledgling of even talking about any of this. I had never spoken publicly about this stuff, except for the small bits I was starting to tell on TikTok. And I didn't have a huge following of any kind. It was, you know, I was quietly doing it. So yeah, I interviewed with them in February of 2022. And then same like Chad would, we were, you know, on a group text of like, if they would not sure about a document or where to, where did this come from? How do, you know, they would basically tap into us as resources to help uh, validate information and find information because we're we we know it you know so it was very easy to just be like oh that's in wisdom booklet blah 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 or that's in this right because it was just burned into you yes is it not just so validating when somebody wants to hear your whole story and just listens to yes. your whole story did that change anything about the way you thought about your own story did that help combat the self-gaslighting that i think we all experience to a very big degree yes watching watching these two women um cry as i'm telling mm -hmm. them things i'm so hardened to you know you've hardened yourself to the trauma and the abuse to watch their reactions humanized it for me to realize oh wow this mm -hmm. wow this is this is bad this is horrible for people to even hear let alone me living it. You're telling me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think another thing too that you know just really uh, spoke to me as I was going through that process is sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen this, Sadie, when you're trying to explain some of the nuances behind something as complicated as IBLP or something as far-reaching, like you start to feel that weird uh, Charlie Day moment from It's Always Sunny, where you're you know doing the Pepe Sylvia thing, connecting all the yarn everywhere, and you, you feel <laughs> you feel like you're explaining something that people's eyes are glazed over and they're like yeah whatever man like you know you, uh, you 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 explain whatever works for you these folks were actively listening the entire time and they yeah. they did pick up on you know certain nuances that even i didn't realize i was just kind of glossing over and they really dug into it asked for details it was it, it was a amazing experience and it did help really validate what i had been through and like Lindsay said uh you start to realize, yeah, what it, it was actually really messed up. I uh, had my own experience with that the first time I made a therapist cry. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. And that sounds like 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 a weird brag, but it's not. It's it's a powerful statement about the validation of having somebody listen and get it. Yeah, when you break your therapist, you know that it's bad. When we get letters or, or emails back from from listeners, the things that the the comment that I get most often is thank you for being a person who was raised relatively normally and, and just coming out and saying the thing that you experienced wasn't normal cuz just hearing somebody say the thing that you experienced wasn't normal is extremely validating to a lot of people. Yes. 
Yeah. 100%. And that's, you know, and, and I know if I haven't expressed it to you before, Gabby, absolutely. Like that is so validating to those of us who are trying to figure out, you know, just what parts of our childhood were and weren't normal. Because, I mean, arguably there may be some parts of my upbringing that could be considered normal. I have no way of knowing what they are divorced from all the abnormal things that happen. So, you know, for, for the abnormal things to really be highlighted and for someone from the outside to provide that validation, it's worth gold. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When that's your world, when you are raised, the, the thing about fundamentalism broadly, but especially IBLP is that it, it creates an entire world, a prefix worldview mm-hmm. and you don't, have influences outside of that. You don't have thoughts outside of that because you are conditioned to not have thoughts and they provide your thoughts for you. Here are the thoughts that you are allowed to think. Yep. When you're completely immersed in something, it is very difficult to tell what life might be like on the outside or whether there is anything on the outside or if any parts of your experience are relatable to people on the outside, which is how you end up telling a story that sounds incredibly wild to other people. And to you, it's the most normal. It's a Tuesday. And you get that look from other people, you know the look, right? <laughs> yes. Like, are you okay? Like, huh? <laughs> the look, like, it's not like you're speaking a foreign language to them. It's like you have descended from heavens in a, sh- in a spaceship and have taken the big glass fishbowl off of your head and are speaking to them in a completely alien language of, of clicks and clacks. And they... <laughs> and Ramas. Are just... <laughs> and Ramas. And they are just... Is it this look? Yes. Yeah, yep. it's the look that I got from you constantly when we first met that look. So I, I'm just so happy because I know that the two of you are friends in real life and friends with our fave who was unable to be with us here today, Heather Heath, yes. in real life. And I'm just so pleased that they had all three of you on the documentary. I will have you know that I was as I was watching Shiny Happy People, uh, I did clap and cheer every time one of you came on screen. So I would be sitting on the couch watching it and then Heather would pop up, yay, it's Heather, hi Heather. And then five minutes later, yes, it's Chad, go Chad. And yay, it's Lindsay. So that was my my, um, experience watching this documentary between all the trauma. Yeah, I have the privilege of sitting next to Heather when we were watching it on drop night. And every time she'd come on screen, I'd like give her a little fist bump. I'm like, yeah, that's you, go for it. So that was great. The first time Chad popped up on the screen, I've legit DiCaprio pointed. (laughs) (laughs) And that was in the cold open. I was actually quite shocked that it was that early. I was like, well, if I was uh, keeping the secret, it ain't no more. (laughs) (laughs) No, we saw you in the preview. I was just like, hey, wait, I know that guy. Yeah. (laughs) So were you aware leading up to the documentary, the big funding names that would be in it, like Jill Duggar or like Jim and Bobby Holt? Um, I mean, not so much. Uh, You know, they were very careful about what they released to everyone as far as like, you know, who all was participating. Obviously, me, Heather and Lindsay all knew, you know, we were involved and we talked amongst ourselves because we're friends in real life. But, uh, you know, they they kept that really close at hand and everything. I was especially surprised to see Paul and Morgan there. Uh, That was... (laughs) That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and, and also and also the fact that they made uh, Jill Rodriguez a complete jump scare was amazing. I, I, yes. I oh, my great. God. 
<laughs> well, I saw her face and I was really worried that she was going to get to actually speak in this documentary. And then I she wish they had. Just... <laughs> no. I, I, uh, dear God, I wish they had put J Rod. Like, if they, they should just do an entire <laughs> doc on J Rod. It would be like Tiger King. <laughs> You know how the Duggars are like the IBLPs, like they're they're poster children. Mm-hmm. They're like the the IBLPs like like promo. If they did a doc on J Rod, it would be like <laughs> this is what happens when you do Fundy Dumb. It's like <laughs> it's tragic. <laughs> like it would just be like the most reverse, like to undo the damage of that the Duggars have done. Yes. No, yes. it's the same sort of thing with like Paul and Morgan showing up where they're mad that they like showed their own. Are we going to talk about Paul and Morgan now or do you want to save that till the end of the episode? You know what? It's come up. Let's just go for it. Okay. So Paul and Morgan got kind of mad that they were shown in maybe not the most positive light, but uh, th- I don't kind of get it because they showed them using basically clips of what they said so i i mean i just don't really get why they would be mad about that because like this is what you believe this is what you say on a regular basis so basically they showed paul and morgan when they were talking about oh well christian fundamentalism and and they're they're using social media to promote their message and they showed a clip of paul and morgan uh sitting on a couch and saying um hi we're paul and morgan we're christian influencers and then they cut to a clip of morgan saying you can't be they them you have to pick he him or she or which like is that like low-key pro trans i'm like yeah that should have made our accidentally woke episode <laughs> i mean it should have it could have <laughs> yeah no, i i um Anyway, uh, I guess they weren't too happy with the way that they came across, which I don't really get because all they did was basically just show, you know, their bread and butter, the things that they say all the time. So I want to read what Paul Oligas says, and this is from his Instagram story. So he says, hey, guys, as you may have seen, we were in episode four of Shiny Happy People on Prime. We agreed to being in the doc. That's not good syntax. Um having been told they were looking to achieve 180 degree coverage of the topic i don't think uh, it's i think it's th- 360? yeah 360 he well, later edited his post to read 360 degrees after being corrected by commenters he, he could be a flat earther we don't know y'all okay like seriously <laughs> wow ouch So he goes on to say, they said they were not out to make us look like villains, that they wanted our perspective and to represent what it's like to be Christian influencers. Um, For those that watched it, you can see that was not good syntax. That was not the case. (laughs) What? Yeah, I mean, they, they literally just showed a clip of Paul and Morgan in their own words saying, you can't be they them and just like saying, oh, we met on Tinder and we and and Morgan said the wife's job is to submit to the husband. Like that's all they showed of them, and that's kind of like if on the surface that's what they do. That's what they. I just don't see. Does does Paul think that people are not going to watch the documentary and just take his word for it that this is an attack on Christians or that they misrepresented Paul and Morgan somehow? You could have just ended it as does Paul think. <laughs> But I think, yeah, that's a less fun question. (laughs) I think that if they, they, I think that their belief is that if they jump in front of the narrative, 
those that are super fundy like this are going to listen to them. And they very well might because they do have an audience with those that group of close-minded people. So if they're if they think that someone is attacking, yeah, I fully believe that a lot of people that follow them will not watch the documentary because they trust them. Yeah, because if you watch it, it is clearly there is no attack. It is a couple clips of them in their own words with very little commentary from anyone who disagrees with them. Yes, they saw their it own is, truth. That's what happened. They saw their own truth of who they really are compared and contrasted to everything else that came in front of that. And let's let's be honest, if using your own words is an attack on you, if your own words make you look like an asshole, maybe you're a and saying. maybe your words should stop I mean, yes in my yeah. opinion i think they actually kind of went light on paul and morgan because i mean they pulled a clip of yes. of, of paul and morgan mm -hmm. saying you can't be like saying just that invalidating trans and, and queer people and non-binary people they could have pulled the clip of paul going on a rant about how mad he was to see so many interracial couples in rings of power because apparently they were he's like there's three different interracial couples and after a certain point you have to be doing it on purpose they're obviously doing this on purpose and they're woke and bad and whatever the hell these right-wing chuds are, are are saying these days because they look like total chuds when they came up Right, or they could have showed anything related to Morgan praying away her mental health issues and Ugh. deciding that she does not need any further help with, from the things that were helping her with her issues. It's so sad. So they go on to say that... Oh, there's um, more? They, yeah, there's more. So Paul <laughs> oh. says, they intentionally turned this into an attack on all Christians. It, it, what's it? The documentary. <laughs> oh. Once again, bad syntax. It it came after us and many other Christian YouTubers. Some well, they don't which, use they. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know somebody who uses it, its pronouns. It's not unheard I know of. somebody who uses those along with others, yeah. It's not the most common thing, but you know. They're, those people are out there. Paul goes on to say, it came after us and many other Christian YouTubers, some of which we consider to be close friends and awesome people. We'll be sharing our thoughts in a video this coming week. There's a lot. We look forward to talking with you guys. It's about to go down. He says, it's about to go down. <laughs> Is there a lot, Paul, though? Like, really, is there a lot? <laughs> but will oh, no, it be Paul, concise? <laughs> will it make sense? Probably not. What is the down? He threw it on the ground. Is, Ooh. He's going to smirk us all out of existence. I mean, that's his I don't Instagram know. face. I don't know if you've ever been attacked by a toothpaste commercial. It's horrifying. By the way. <laughs> the <laughs> oh, my God. Dad. <laughs> Look, I, have, <laughs> I'm weak. I, I got no sympathy left for that. Uh, but it, uh, also, can, can we can we just talk about, like, if this documentary was an attack on all Christians, did they miss the part where we literally had a pastor narrating IBLP through several episodes and doing yes. a damn good job of it? Seriously, Josh Pease killed it uh, mm -hmm. on this documentary. Absolutely. If it was an attack on Christians, they missed me. So right? it was just, it was not a very um, effective attack because they missed me and like most of my friends. Mm -hmm. What gives? It's fundies. Terrible attack it's strategy. It's an attack on fundies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just such obvious, like it's the Christian victim complex. But seriously, what, um, like, on Monday, we have an episode coming out with um, a pastor who was featured on an episode of Queer Eye um, in season five of Queer Eye, who is a, an out gay pastor and runs an affirming ministry. And 
absolutely this was this documentary an attack on him absolutely not i think that one of the things that this documentary actually did a very good job of which i really do appreciate how good of a job that it did at this was distinguishing between what is really uh, uh, predatory and what is wrong and what is cult-like and what is controlling and what is coercive and what is normal jumping on that too another big um criticism I've heard is that, you know, the documentary somehow paints homeschooling itself in a negative light, which I did not get that from the documentary at all. It did uh, show a very particular branch of homeschooling, which has been very, you know, pervasive to be fair, but uh, it, it did show, you know, that this is a very fringe branch. And frankly, you know, I know of several responsible homeschoolers and everything who, you know, appreciated this documentary for pointing that out. And I got to say, if if you're a homeschooler and you feel like this documentary addressing this particular cult affects your homeschooling experience, that's a bit sus. Just putting that out there. We are. We've always been um, pro responsible yes. homeschooling mm-hmm. on this podcast, yeah. but that's that's a high standard. And we think that there are absolutely people who meet it, mm-hmm. um, both religious and secular people mm-hmm. of multiple different religions and belief systems who meet that requirement but the wisdom booklets do not and ace does not <laughs> and the loch ness monster is not a dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> no a becca either no and bob jones and christ center curriculum except for the grammar i i no. stand by a becca grammar books because <laughs> i have better grammar than paul <laughs> <laughs> so therefore i'm at least doing okay <laughs> I mean, I think I think that it's it it is warranted to say that like all of us on this dock that were homeschooled don't have a problem with homeschooling. Like we respect that homeschooling there is a there is a place for it. Um, it's just the academic oversight that should happen from the parents is is paramount. And people, I have had so many relatives and friends that were just like, I knew you were homeschooled, but I didn't know you weren't educated. And you're just like, and therein therein lies the problem. And I would also like to point out here, too, that Eve Edinger uh, in this documentary, uh, they're also on the board for CRHE, uh, Coalition for Responsible Home Education. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, they absolutely definitely support that. And I support their work, too. So uh, is that not one of the charities that Heather's book gave some proceeds to? Yes. 100%. I thought I remembered that it was. And in, in, in the absence of Heather, um, did you see that her book sold out today? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Congrats, Heather. Congratulations, Heather. And when it is restocked, that book is lovingly abused by Heather Heath. Um, we had an, a, one of the funniest interviews we've ever done for this show with her um, about the release of her book and what's in her book. And uh, buy it. You will love it. The fun thing about that interview was that, like, there there were parts of it where, like, when her husband was listening to, he couldn't tell the difference between Sadie and Heather and who was talking. <laughs> that <about>. also, <laughs> I, I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it was literally like they, he, you could not tell the difference between them. You like, you could not like, even when I was editing it, I was like, who am I listening to <laughs> right now? <laughs> I also, and I can, I take on people's not necessarily accents but people's vocal patterns or speech patterns really easily so of course i had watched a million and one of heather's tiktok videos and i just feel like i can fall right into her speech pattern so they took my devil sticks (laughs) (laughs) i I told her if she does not put that on a t-shirt now she's missing an opportunity because that that was an amazing line thank (laughs) 
everything that made it in the dock. You got a merchandise. I don't want ever want to come off like as I'm as critical of this documentary because they did such a wonderful job. Yes, I did. I missed Heather's one-liners. And I know they had a limited amount of time. They had a lot to explain. I'm sure there were some absolutely classic Heather moments on, left on the cutting room floor <laughs> just because they had so much to get through. <laughs> but thank goodness we got at least one. I literally screamed. I know, right? We all want that right now. We're like, give us the I out. would pay <laughs> the cost of <laughs> I would pay the cost of my prime membership for an entire year just to get all of Heather's one liners because I know they were in there. <laughs> So were there any, let's, let's get into more of the, the content of the actual documentary. And, uh, there is some heavy stuff in here. I've given an extensive trigger warning in our intro. Um, and what we do on the show is if we're going to do graphic descriptions, we just real quick write in conversation and we'll, we'll be able to handle that. But let's start with something a little bit on the lighter side. Um, the Duggar revelations. Did Lindsay and Chad, did you learn anything new? when in the process of making this doc or when it came out about the duggars yeah about the the duggar story or um the holt family the duggar holt drama anything like that so in um as i say in the documentary when uh this whole when the duggars came out on tlc and i peeked at it and i was like no 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 this is not for me i lived this i'm not kidding i cannot watch that show even now i there's no way i can watch the show it it upsets me so greatly but i through chad and a few other people like i didn't even know what an amy was <laughs> until <laughs> until um we started making this documentary but i would actually and but i knew you know, I know the context of quite a bit of it and their family and everything. And then I did watch, I was very heavily uh, interested in the trial and everything that went on around that. But what I did not realize is that all of the stuff that had happened with the essay with Josh had actually happened prior to them filming the mm -hmm. TLC show. I did not, I realized that in real time as I was watching the documentary. And it, it flared me even more with my disgust and anger and rage at TLC because that, it, th that show should have never been put on air ever. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But I didn't know who the Holtz were either until the lawsuit stuff. Um, and even then, like, I got such creep vibes over. Mr. Holt, mm. but I I knew about the things, you know, going into the documentary. I already knew about um, everything that was leading up to him having the, the reigning order. Yeah, for me personally, um, I learned uh, quite a bit more about the rift between uh, Jill and Derek and Jim Bob, which, um, you know, we had always known that there had been a parting of the ways for various reasons. The details about that, especially when it came to the contracts involved and what have you, uh, while I'm not surprised on the level of that's how things are in IBLP, uh, with the father having the ultimate control and everything, uh, it's still it's still very shitty to to just see how they were treated, and and and, and the details of it just made the whole situation just so unpalatable uh, on every level. I mean, Jim Bob is truly a monster, and mm -hmm. I will say too, they did a really good job showing Michelle Michelle's uh, complicity. In yes. everything mm -hmm. as well, yes. um, you know there has been a tendency, I think, sometimes to overlook that because Michelle does paint herself as very meek, uh, and you know very 
you know, standard IBLP wife, but there are several times in the documentary where, you know, part of it, I know, you know, the editing crew is just experts and they really know when to highlight when things are terrible, but just her general mannerisms. And you can tell what she means when she says one thing, but means another, Mm -hmm. uh, the whole revelation about the encouragement part. I have seen that. That was tough. I have seen that happen in IBLP families and that sent shockwaves through my spine. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Um, One of the standout moments of this documentary to me, actually, uh, I believe this is in the Holtz interview. Um, They talk about someone used the word molested to describe what Josh had done to young girls. And was it not Michelle? who jumped in and said, do not ever use that word again. Yep. And more to the point, it was Jim Bob who said, who said molested. It was. And Michelle I thought said, so. Yeah, exactly. And Michelle said, don't you use that word. And that was maybe that just set my, my mind on a whole track of thinking about the power dynamics within that marriage. Cause we all know that the IBLP is patriarchal. They believe that the husband is the head of the wife. They believe that, um, there's reference, I think, in Tia's story to women calling their husbands Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I heard growing up in the regular old IFB. That that was something that uh, we really ought to be doing. It's not a requirement, but if you really loved your husband, you'd do this. Women in the IBLP have very few and very regimented avenues to any kind of power. And it's not the kind of power that human beings outside of the IBLP have, whether or not they are women or not. But there is, there are ways for women in the IBLP to gain some power. It's not anything similar to what we, what we would have, what I would have in, a, in an egalitarian marriage, uh, what I would have as a person in society with my own credit card and my own rights. But the, there is an element of power to be gained. Michelle had it, even being able to use a microphone and speak in, an, in front of an audience that contains men. That is incredible power for a woman to hold in patriarchy. And that's something that could easily be overlooked, I think. That's true. But we saw her using a microphone in front of men. That's a big deal. And women, one of the very few avenues for women to gain anything like that kind of power in the IBLP is through bearing children. So it would make sense that Michelle was and is someone who has something similar to power because of the the number of children that she has born. I was going to say born and raised, but that's not really accurate, is it? No. No. So one um, new piece of information that came out, I think this had been talked about before, was that Jim Bob and Michelle got married when when uh, uh, joe jackson duggar excuse me and michelle got married when that's a cultural reference homeschoolers. <laughs> <laughs> no but they got married when jim bob was 19 and michelle was 17 um the holtz however they started going out this is the wild part nobody's brain was done cooking yeah no one's brain was done cooking especially not in the holt family um because jim holt was 19 and bobby holt was it was 15 14 14 15, how old was it was she 14? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yikes. And then he kept digging himself a hole deeper and deeper every time he tried to make light of the situation. Oh, it's just was like, just, stop wow. talking, dude. Stop. Mm-hmm. And you it know was why? So bad. You know why, Chad? Because he has never come up against a force 
bef- other than himself yeah. before because he is a man in patriarchy. He is a man in patriarchy. He has never been questioned mm-hmm. like this before. He has never come up against anything that he couldn't personally overcome before. And when he did, like losing a political seat, he blamed it on a kid, mm-hmm. a nasty, rotten kid, but he blamed it on a child. Mm-hmm. He has never had to take accountability for anything before. So, of course, he thinks that he can go on a national streaming show that will be seen by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people and say, oh, yeah, I met my wife when she was 14. We started dating when she was 14, but it's fine. She looked kind of like an adult. He thinks that that's a perfectly fine thing to say. He's invincible. He believes he's invincible. And there's a reason well, that he thinks exactly. that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, of course, want to clarify that Bobby Holt, as well as one of their adult children, have since obtained a 10-year restraining order on Jim Holt. 10 years? Yes. yes. And you know what? You see it. You, you In the documentary, he literally says, my father was abusive and he was an angry person. And you're just like, well, <laughs> where do you learn it from? I do want to give, there was one thing that Jim Holt said that I found extremely worthwhile, worth hearing. Uh, he was talking about the very tense scene when it came out to the Holts that uh, Josh Duggar had committed his very first crimes, that were the first that we know of, um, when he was still a minor. Jim asked Jim Bob Duggar, so were you, were you never going to tell us? When were you going to tell us? that this was going on. And Jeb Bob says, well, we were going to have Josh confess to your daughter, Kaylee, after they were married, and we were never going to tell you. And Jim Holt says, you were using my daughter as a carrot on a stick to get your son to behave. Jim Holt, flawed as he is, has this one little tiny flash of, wait, my daughter is a person, and you are using her as bait to get this person to be good? And Jim Bob says, yeah, kind of. Why wouldn't I? Isn't that a person perfectly reasonable thing to do with a woman? I mean, she belongs to you right now, but. There's no conscience. Absolutely zero conscience zero. in that behavior. That is. That when is... Jim Holt has so much more conscience than you do in an interaction. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's a bad day for you. And it really does speak to the transactional nature of uh, courtship, doesn't it? You know, the whole idea that these parents are pulling the strings over their, you know, adult children's lives. And mm-hmm. the, it, it, it's just sickening to me, you know, that this was presented as the perfect system. Like, understand, you know, to everybody listening, everything, this was what we were told was God's preferred way to keep things like this from happening. And it was used to enable things like this happening. So on that note, I want to talk maybe a little bit about Jill and Derek. Um, this was a topic that came up back in, I want to say January, February, when we talked about uh, Ginger's book, uh, 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 Becoming Free Indeed, where she talked about how she got married to Jeremy, and that was basically her ticket out of the IBLP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, and basically her sister, uh, Jessa, had done the same thing with Ben Seawald. And also, it seems, I guess, like Jill did sort of the same thing with uh, with Derek Dillard. Um where basically, because Derek was somebody who was picked out by Jim Bob, essentially, to marry his daughter. And then they got married, and then he basically became Jill's ticket out. So, who else knows somebody who has done that in real life? Because I do. Right here. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> I have I've known non-famous real life people who have basically brokered a marriage between two people who may or may not have been in love for the express purpose of getting out. And sometimes like all arranged marriages, because we are not completely anti, you know, cultural concepts of arranged marriage when there is consent. Uh, two college oh. friends of mine from Pensacola had arranged marriages and they are currently happy. Many people are not. There must be complete informed consent between um, the people and uh, involved in this marriage. But there are people who essentially broker marriages between themselves and another fundy kid because they've been ever they've been able to have enough chaperoned <laughs> whispered conversations in deeply coded language to know that both of them want to get a little further out than they are now yep and they get married having never had a truly private conversation but knowing just enough about the other person to know this person is going to be a stepping stone to get me a little bit further than I am now and maybe to a place where I can handle my life. And some of those people uh, ended up in love and having a healthy marriage. And of course, a lot of them don't. A very unwise person once said that, you know, in a room of a thousand people, if there are two rebels, they may, uh, they, they will always oh find my. each other. <laughs> and uh, if, if those, yeah, those of you who didn't pick up on that, Bill Gothard actually said That's that. That's a Gothard quote. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although Jack Hiles also said it. He probably oh, yeah. stole it from probably. Gothard. You know what? They, the seriously, around. they steal from each other all the time. It's, nobody has an original thought in fundamentalism, honestly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, it, I mean, I feel like we're kind of living proof of that, too. So maybe they did get that one right <laughs> but to Chad, good effect <laughs> here's the thing when i was growing up i always wanted to find the rebels because they sounded like they were having such a good time and i was left out and i would go around looking for them and i could not find them you had to go north of and montgomery so we were up there <laughs> <laughs> i was so frustrated because like i wanted to be the bad kid i wanted to go hang out with the rebels but nobody wanted to be a rebel with me because i was a preacher's kid oh yeah <laughs> And yeah, now I, I finally found you, and my heart is full. Would you guys? Would you have been like kissing girls, smoking <laughs> cigarettes, all those bad things uh, that you shouldn't be doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen yes. to rock Hell music, yes, rock and or roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have I have made it abundantly clear that if I had had the opportunity in two thousand seven, I would have been a full Avenged Sevenfold goth girl. Love it. Nice. I love it. Now I just have to wait for the tour this fall to try to get some of my own back. <laughs> Your purple hair looks great. She's ready. I need the, the fingerless gloves. I need the mismatched Chuck Taylors. I need the mismatched striped knee-high socks. And a little bit of glitter on the eyelids. This. I actually did that look for a Friends-themed birthday party this year. <laughs> and um, I looked and I was like, you know what? Actually, this this is a this is a look. I, I, I can live with this. <laughs> so now that we've talked about finding the rebels and being so glad we found each other, why don't we go take up our offering real quick? Uh, when we come back, I do want to dive into some of the darker elements of this documentary. I do want to talk about it. I think that'll be a good place for anybody who needs to skip to skip. And then we'll come back with a little more of the happy side at the end. Does that sound good to everyone? Sounds good. Okay. Let's do it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Okay, we are we are back from our break. Um, this is the part where we are going to talk about some of the abuse that was very graphically depicted in the documentary. So we're going to come back with that, and then we're going to transition back to much more fun topics and have some more laughter. Our listeners that need to skip this part are more than welcome to do so. You know, we always support you doing that. We are going to put a timestamp in the description of this episode so you know when it's safe to come back when we are having fun again. But I want to talk about um, a couple of things that came up in this documentary. One of them is the the very graphic spanking demonstrations that we saw. That was tough for a lot of people. What were your feelings seeing that on screen? That was the moment that broke the Chad. Um, that was that break in. That one got gotcha. you. Yeah, I was doing pretty good up to that point, and I had never seen that demonstration be done before. My understanding is it was mm-hmm. a pretty exclusive, you know, session in you know the in the whole conference. So to see it being played out on stage brought a lot of visceral reactions from me, and I had to pause and immediately just take a moment to breathe and recenter myself at that point because, and I'll just go ahead and say it as I was watching that whole ritual play out, it felt almost word for word the same as what I went through growing up. And at one point I saw my dad's face flash up there where that pastor was. Uh, Welcome to PTSD. We have Mm -hmm. cookies and really, really nice support groups uh, of which this is one. No, I, I'm really sorry that you experienced that. The, I've seen the video of Michael Pearl just brutally beating a doll before. I've seen those, so I was pretty, I assumed that that would come up in the documentary. So I was very steeled for it and ready. I was not ready for the video that involved an actual human child. 
And that was that was this about the second toughest, I think, thing for me in the documentary. Yeah, it was full on exposure therapy that we all went through watching that. If you have been mm -hmm. um, harmed or uh, addressed in that way ever in your life, I mean, you were you were addressing it right there in the moment, and um, it broke the Chad. It completely shattered the Lindsay. I I and then Chad's story bundled in with it. I was completely undone. I went into a fifteen minute unbreathable panic attack and I had to pause pause it and uh just deal with my brain I I couldn't couldn't wrap my head around how uh traumatic that was and I we Chad and I talked after that um actually Heather just posted a, a YouTube or a TikTok video and she was like oh and Chad's in there talking to Lindsay and we were basically just trying to talk each other back into we need to you know get through the rest of this but I think uh, for me, I just, I was so astounded by it. Like, yes, I've experienced it. We've always known as kids, like, hey, this is, this is just how it goes. And we just bear the brunt of it. Is it right? Absolutely not. But we just, we just soldiered on through it. But to actually see this happening at a seminar where people I know were in that room and to also have everyone in the audience laughing was just that the salt in the just lifetime of abuse and torture for children and you watch this poor little boy be manipulated into mm -hmm. that experience and i just i broke what got me about that was um was not the actions being done because i fully expected we'd have some kind of description or even depiction in the documentary what got me was there is a room of hundreds thousands thousands of adults that are watching this and all of them think it's fine it almost was a, a little hint of i you know i was present for the polished shaft sermon um mm -hmm. in which jack scott performed incredibly sexually inappropriate behavior in front of an audience of ten thousand people and i was one of them i can watch him make a fool of himself in that way and even laugh about it if i'm in the right headspace if i'm if i'm doing okay that day i can even kind of poke fun at him but what i cannot watch without feeling ill is the men on platform behind him as you see and you see the emotions of this is probably not okay to this is definitely not okay going across their faces his own son-in-law sitting five or ten feet away from him and you see them make the decision not to stop it and that almost it almost echoed that for mm -hmm. me is there are adults in this room that think this is okay and there is a pair of parents who sent their child up there that of all things there is there is some parent who sent that little blonde-headed boy up there to experience this in front of all of these people there is a parent who thinks that's okay that's what maybe got me the most about that scene was this the scene that really just like i broke my brain the clip i'm so thankful they included it though it was a necessary because, clip yeah and one of the mm -hmm. things that i do appreciate about this documentary if i can say it again was that there was that attention to detail that they were going to show okay this is the this clip of this conference of them abusing this of, of them demonstrating how to abuse this child then here's where it comes from here is a clip of michael and, and michael pearl or and debbie pearl talking about this is what we believe this is what we think is the right thing to do to train up our children in this way and then this is how these beliefs get exported and this is how it affects you and this is how it affects the people around you and i think that that was they really did their due diligence on that part and in including that and here is incontrovertible proof that 
this is not some fringe people doing it. This is an entire culture where this is 100% normalized. Yeah. Um, and when we had our episode with uh, Dr. Shoshana Fagan, when we discussed To Train Up a Child, when we discussed this book, this was one of the, the main points is that raising your children in this way absolutely stunts their moral development because they only perceive right as wrong as what do I have to do to not get punished. That episode that you guys did was so powerful. I, I listened to that episode and the part that stuck out to me the most was you don't train a child. You train animals. You raise children, you love them, you support them, you educate them, you bring them up, but you do not train them this way. This is full-on conditioning behavior and it works and that's why they do it because it keeps us in our place and we don't ask questions we do not have our autonomy because it is removed from us our humanity is taken from us every time this action is placed upon us and it was far too much and often and like they say in the documentary every father became a cult leader and a home and island and these these adults could do whatever they wanted to do in the way that they chose to carry out these abuses that's why they were so different from so many different homes and yet the idea was still the same to break your child's will and to do it so young that they do not remember a time before their will was broken yes that's something that's something that was definitely my experience. I was a um, a really early reader. I am a kid whose whose memories kicked in earlier. You know, people's uh, active memory. Pe some people will remember events that happened as young as eighteen months old, but three or four years old is more common. And my memory, I know exactly when it was, because I remember my mother. I remember being told that I was going to have a brother. And I remember his birth and I remember leading up to, I remember my second birthday party and I remember planning my second birthday party with my dad. So my, and my brother was born when I was two years and six months old. So I remember I have several clear memories before 30 months old, which is pretty early. But even with that, I do not remember a time pre spirit broken because I was that young. Mm -hmm. And my parents were exceptionally gentle for fundies. Hmm. And even with my relatively privileged experience within fundy world, growing up with parents who were far from the full extent of what they were encouraged and told to do, I still do not have a memory before this spirit breaking process. Hmm. I am. Um... I don't think I've told anyone this yet, and I, we haven't really discussed it either, Lindsay. But um, I, it just hit me where in that whole horrible pantomime that that I broke, and it was when he made the child hug him and said that he didn't put enough into the hug, so he would have to start again. So. Yep. <laughs> My beatings would continue until I stopped registering any emotional response. If I yelled, cried, or did any normal emotion, it would continue until that stopped. And I felt myself freeze up when I saw that because I thought, if I had been, you know, every Fundy family is different in how they do this, but the, the whole point is the same, you know, to break the will and everything. 
if I had been told to give a hug and then and then been told I didn't do it enough, there was no way in the world I could have because by the time that whole horrible ritual was done, I was empty. I couldn't even express a hug or anything resembling love at that point. For hours afterward, I would just not have any feelings. So knowing that I would still be in that position if I was required to do that just flooded my brain at that point and I had to stop. <sighs> that is, it is so... Gavi, do you have a voc- vocabulary word for me? I am failing for words. Um, and I'm not looking at Lindsay right now. Yeah, sorry, guys. I can't do it. I don't know, like... You're okay, hon. Unconscionable? That's what comes to mind for me. I don't know. Um, that is a wicked thing. There it is. It it's is a purely cruel. It is cruel. It is. It is, dem- it is just... And it Evil. is children who are expected to bear it. Yeah. Those who are most vulnerable. Because I, as an adult, have borne cruelty. I, as, I, as an adult, have squared my shoulders and looked it in the face. Yeah. And that is something that adults sometimes have to do. That is not something that little children should have to do. Ever. I'm remembering back to another section of um to train up a child that comes to mind when i talk when when i hear about this is there's the section when michael pearl says yes specifically the only thing that can stop a bully is a bigger bully and it's so clear that that this is just a violent uh, uh, just violence begetting violence begetting violence just on and on and on as just a way of life. And they say that this is the best way of life and this is what you do. And this is the best thing. It's behavior stopping techniques. It is. And, and how, who are you as an adult to say, well, I need to be the bigger bully to my child. Oh, it's horrible. Like, like who are you? It all stems from the idea that children are not people that you, that you, and it, that does also tie in. Interestingly, with purity culture, which I feel like is not a connection people make often, Mm -hmm. because this belief is that you magically become a person when you are married. You become a person who is now suddenly allowed to have sexual expression. You are a person who is allowed to be independent from your parents. Um, You are a person who is allowed to make financial decisions for yourself um, in some cases. And you become a person who can no longer be hit. That is if you are a male person mm-hmm. who becomes married. And if you are a female person, a, a fab person who becomes married, nothing effectively changes. Um, I do want to talk about that that element of spousal abuse that as well when we get there. I also want to say that I've used the analogy of um, horses for my life, mm-hmm. that so I was raised and trained to be a pr- <laughs> right. <laughs> to be a prancing pony. I was trained to be a show pony. I was trained to behave perfectly in front of everybody. And I was put in my stall at night and meant to just stay in there and behave. And then I would be trottled back out again. I went to headquarters, same thing. I was the show pony that Bill would trottle out in front of dignitaries and he took me overseas and all of these things because you know I'm the bright, shiny, happy countenance person. And then once that has worn off, then you get sold off to breed as a mare and then you're sent out to pasture. That's it. That's your life. I did an extended analogy about this on a recent episode because a, a person who owns a horse like that can 
love their animal, but it is never the way that we love another human being. If uh, lots of people own and love, I have a cat, I love my cat, but I do not love him the way that I love my husband or my child or my family. It is, and when, when a fundamentalist parent or husband who treats their wife or their child as their possession says that they love their child, they're not lying. They, they believe that they love their wife or their child that they treat as a possession, but it is not the kind of love that an autonomous human gives to another autonomous human. Mm-hmm. Well, to go back to To Train Up a Child, which is the book that all of these teachings come from, having read this book, you know, there are several times in this book when Michael Pearl literally compares training a child to training a horse or training an animal. That is the analogy that they choose to use. So, Sadie, uh, Lindsay, I mean, your read on this, it, they would absolutely say, yes, that is exactly what we're doing. So, I, I said that this description of the de- depiction of spanking was um, the second worst thing that got me about this documentary. Um, the worst one that got me was the, the, the talk of uh, spanking women, spouses, yes. and marital rape. So, Chad, I had, I had the moment that you had of a flashback. The flashback that I instantly had was being a preteen teenager and praying that God would send me one of those nice husbands who doesn't hit you. Same, Sadie. Same. The specific little subset of the IFB that I grew up in, it was not everyone spanks their wife, and it was not everyone does marital rape, but it was half of people do 25 percent of people do we don't really know we don't ask don't you know what a man does in his own house is his own business and i remember the impression that i got was you do not know until your wedding night if you get one of those or not nope because you can ask but he doesn't have to tell you the truth and you pray to god when you pray for your future husband and please if it be your will and if it be your will not to test me in this way please send me one of the nice ones who doesn't hit or rape. And if the one that you get sent is is not one of those, then that's God's test that he had ordained for you. So that was the, that was my moment of, of I was there again. I would always pray that I would get someone who was kind. That was always my Mm -hmm. prayer. Please give me a man who will be kind. Yeah. A man who would be perfectly justified to give you a spanking because your dinner wasn't good (laughs) but a man who would so kindly refrain as to not do so yeah out of the goodness of his heart that i wouldn't be someone that he felt he needed to hit and that you would have the ability to perform so perfectly that he wouldn't need to hit yeah and that it just it just brought back the pressures the pressures of that world, like Lindsay, you were talking about being a show pony. Yep. Um, the pressure of if I can continue to perform perfectly forever, then maybe I can have an okay life. Yes. And what can I do to ensure that I will always be able to perform perfectly? And I feel like, and I'm 19 and I feel like I'm burning out, but I can't burn out. And how am I going to continue to keep up this pace so that I can continue to perform so I don't get what's coming to me yeah. if I don't? Exactly. I love you, that Sadie. Was, that was just... <laughs> I do. I feel, I, feel, I just feel oh, you right me. now so, you, so deeply. 
so that was chad my that was my moment of i was all of a sudden just completely transformed like in body and mind and locate geographical location to i was there again exposure think, therapy <laughs> it it's it, it never fails. I mean, I, I've talked about it with so many people, and I've talked about it with my therapist, and I've talked about it with just, you know. Yay therapy. Just, oh, yay therapy. Seriously, like, I I would not be here but for therapy. The, I've talked about it so much with people, but it never fails to just really hit home whenever I hear people mention that, like, basic human kindness and what should be expected of humanity, like, person to person being a luxury in how we were brought up and being something that we felt we didn't deserve. It just, it just floors me every time. But there was one thing I remember from our conversation, Lindsay, even though a lot of that was a blur and I was still panicking at that point, but I do remember saying ultimately though, we never truly broke those of us who got out, those of us who made lies for ourselves, those of us who became our authentic selves, they didn't beat it out of us. We found it and we yeah. held on to it and we're here to tell the story about it. And that's why one of you're one of my besties, Chad. <laughs> Same. I am searching for something on my phone to see if I have it on here. I wrote, I'm going to send this to both of you when we get off the call you can read the whole thing. But this is a note that I wrote in my last few weeks at Hiles Anderson. I've never shared this on the podcast. Um, you, you look at my handwriting. If you know anything about handwriting analysis, it'll say a fuck ton to you. I'm sure at least one of you does. That seems yeah, like me. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen it. You, you look at this. You tell me what you think. You'll be pretty interested, I think. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this is not my moment. It's yours. But the, the last line, so you will not break my spirit. Mm. It's a, more of a journal entry than anything mm -hmm. else. Just as I was so close to completely breaking yeah. and i would have been barely 20 just turned 20 when i wrote that <laughs> i'll send you the whole thing and, and I'll, I'll be happy to have you take a look at it because i thought i was fully broken i thought i was fully surrendered to god i thought i had given up everything that i could possibly give to be the person i was supposed to be mm -hmm. but there was always a fire there's always a fire in there that I couldn't put out. Same. I feel you, sweetheart. Yes. And thank you for trusting that to me. I can't wait to read it. Same. I am, absolutely. I've, I've not showed it to any to any ex-culty friends. I feel honored. <laughs> but I feel like you're the right people and it's the right moment. It, when you, what you're saying about the handwriting, I'm really curious to see that. Um, Chad is can testify to this. <laughs> that I, um, when we had to, we, we met each other in January because we filmed a little bit more for the documentary and we brought our journals with us because we were, we thought that maybe we would need to like maybe read an excerpt, you know, because it's, there's like your story just now, like there's a lot in there where you find your, your little nuggets of power or how I did still know that something about this was not right. 
And my, there was a time where I, there's not time for to go into it, but I was in a situation after going from headquarters down to the Oklahoma City Training Center, I was banished from the almighty shiny, you know, building on the cat on the hill. And I went down to Oklahoma as a uh, punishment and the training center there. And it was abysmal. And my handwriting reduced to the tiniest handwriting because what I realized rereading these journals is that I had reduced myself so small that I didn't even think that I could utter larger letters on a page. You know, it's it's ironic because the fundies, um, what do they hate more than almost anything else is the Big Bang Theory, right? <laughs> Evolution. And it's almost like we all just jettisoned anything that we thought we couldn't take with us to in the quest to being the perfect person, the right person and God's perfect will and all of that. You jettison things. You you cut your sandbags that are supposed to keep your hot air balloon down. You know, you you throw out everything you can bear to throw out and you squish yourself down so small that it's almost the size of an atom of what is left of you and what is this empty shell of a person that you're piloting around from the one little bit left of you in your mind. And then one day what happens? Big bang. Oh, you break. It Free. explodes. Mm -hmm. It explodes. And explosion is uh, notoriously messy. Yes. A lot of us ended up very messy for a while. Mm -hmm. Out of control. And then hopefully. I mean, I'm fine. It <laughs> <laughs> Chad is wearing a shirt that shows a flaming dumpster and the words I'm fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> A little visual humor but, for listeners. But hopefully <laughs> you reconstitute into something worth reconstituting. And all of us have, and all of you have in the audience who have experienced this explosion. Mm. I love that. Yeah, well put. That is, that is so a brilliant that analogy. Was, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes they happen on the fly and sometimes they're pretty good. <laughs> I mean, Sadie's metaphor corner is usually a top tier <laughs> corner of this podcast so we love it when we get it <laughs> she's slaying it's see it's me with the metaphors and heather with the one-liners <laughs> devil and, sticks <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is why we can't meet in person because who knows what might happen no it will legitimately just be too powerful just it, it can never happen oh, yeah. also on the topic of heather i just want to say that her hair did look fantastic in the mm -hmm. dock all y'all's hair looked real good <laughs> That was a lot. Is everybody okay? And can we kind of lighten up the mood a little bit? Totally. Bring it on. Oh, let's do okay. it. Okay. The <laughs> only the only thing wrong with my heart right now is that I would like to hug everybody in a cage. Same. <laughs> Gabby's but just like, I need to I take a deep breath and get out of this. <laughs> no, but that's the thing, though. Like, because I was not raised with any of this. All of this stuff is, is stuff that I was, uh, and it's so normal for you guys. But I do feel like it's very important for me to just remember this stuff is not normal. And for me to just keep saying, I can't let this. Don't it let it be. be. Yes. Yeah, I can't let this become normal. This is not normal. And one of the other things that, like, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, you know, because they, they know what I do they know that i i'm i have this like deconstruction podcast they ask me do you listen to this other deconstruction podcast or this one or this one and i'm like no because i can't normalize this stuff for myself i i absolutely cannot let this stuff become normalized and let myself kind of become jaded to the level of abuse that happens here mm -hmm. it's just um you know it's just it, 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 
I, I like have to go into this stuff with a fresh, clean brain every time I, I, I do this. I know it's also a lot of uh, a lot of labor to listen to it and offer everything to it as well. And I just want to say, you know, because I haven't really had a chance to say it in person until now, but thank you for being willing to do that for your friend and for all of us who have spoken on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because I know it's you know I know it's a lot, but uh, you know the the what you bring to it and that sense of you know reminding us that it's not normal and keeping us grounded that really really does help more than you will ever know so thank you thank you so much chad i mean coming from you that really does mean a lot hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Seconded. Speaking of hair, looks, that sort of thing, I think we need to move on to our next topic. So, um, I hear that there has been a lot of buzz about an article (laughs) of accessory that was worn in this documentary. Who would like to tell us about that? Well, I guess it should be me, (laughs) since Reddit is all a flurry and my email box is full. Um, Everybody seemed to think that I was wearing a vibrator necklace you weren't during this documentary <laughs> this very serious documentary. <laughs> I, we would have been very supportive you know we're trying to be sex positive on this yeah. podcast and respect yeah, it cracks me up because everyone's like it and i didn't know this but they were like is that a vibe and i'm thinking yeah it's totally a vibe it's like a vibe as in sure. like it's a it's cool what i wore <laughs> Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I started reading the comments. I'm like, oh my, I was horrified. I'm like, oh my God, these people think I'm wearing a vibrator around my neck. Like, nothing could be more to me. But that's just me personally because I feel like I wouldn't want to, like, it's I just want that in the moment. That's something you would choose. <laughs> right. It's not my for personal. For a highly public situation. Yes. That's fine. That's they okay. Exist. It's called the vibe. That's the name of it, right? <laughs> yeah. People. <laughs> 
Yeah, there there are these little necklaces, and they look really similar to Lindsay's anti-anxiety necklace, which is what it actually is, yes. right? It, I'm just going to plug it because, honestly, this thing saved me over two years while I was going through therapy to deal with all of this trauma. And it's it's from the company called Camuso, and they created, it's called The Shift, and it helps you to shift your breath and calm your breath down so your exhale doesn't collapse when you're having a panic attack. So I just literally wear it all the time, and I have used it in many situations so that i was just like i need this with me it's like my security necklace just not the situations that people on reddit thought i mean like (laughs) if you're wearing one of these necklaces around like is it is it dishwasher safe like what if you could you spill some food on it like if if you're like out to eat they do (laughs) make really small vibrators that look like a necklace pendant this is a thing that people sell and sometimes people wear and they do look similar okay but like Um, what if you're eating a burrito (laughs) and like you spill some sour cream or like some some hot sauce yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> hot sauce? Oh hell no! Hey, that could make it fun. A little hot sauce. Just, just saying. It burns. Why is it burning? <laughs> Chad's face. <laughs> I, I draw the line. Hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Oh my god. But but jokes aside, I did notice that. Everyone in this documentary seems to have taken special care to wear as many eye traps as possible. <laughs> was this on purpose? Other than the not a vibrator necklace, was that on purpose? I think, I th- well, I know for myself, I think to some degree, but I, I think I also was just like, I don't want to dumb myself down to something. I want to present as me. Not like, oh, I'm going into this documentary. Mm-hmm. It's very serious. And I just need to make sure that like people take me seriously. I'm like, no, this is, I want to be me. I, I wear tons of jewelry. I constantly have crazy nails. Um, I have, I always had colored hair. You know, I have pink hair in the dock. And I was like, this is, I just want to be authentically me. But I did wear jeans on purpose. And then I did wear a V-neck shirt on purpose. Yeah, I noticed a lot of V-necks, like large bows on the front of shirts. <laughs> what else did we see? Um, we saw some ripped jeans. We saw lots of pants, lots of high heels. Yeah. Chad. Am I missing Chad anything? Chad with his black shirt. So oh. I was actually, yeah, I was actually asked about this uh, during the course of my interview. It didn't make another final cut, but uh, they did ask, is your outfit today a statement of some kind? And for everybody listening, I was wearing a black shirt, a red tie, khaki pants, everything was untucked and I rolled my sleeves up. Basically I was trying to be the anti ATI because the at conferences, our outfit was always, you know, white shirts, blue ties. If you're uh, a sign male, um, blue pants and it, you know, Navy and white was, was the order of the day. So I wanted to get as far away from that as possible and just be like, this is how far out I am actually. <laughs> and of course you have your very funny unapproved. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> that actually, yeah. I mean, you look like you're kind of like in a pop punk band. Yes. That's kind of the vibe that, <laughs> that I got. <laughs> I wouldn't complain if I did, honestly. Uh, one of my, Chuck one of my can favorite join a pop punk band. We support yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I was, I was really pleased. I feel like everyone did something they were not supposed to wore something they were not supposed to, something unapproved that felt purposeful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the Gothard rules quite well enough to pick up on all of them. I feel like there were, I could 
I could spidey sense the subtext of even things that I was not quite being able to name. So that made me incredibly happy. Yeah, it's fun to watch. I want to know what were our favorite looks from the documentary? I mean, You're I thought me Lindsay's permed <laughs> poofy bangs were pretty great. I was, I, do you mean like the old, like the old iconic? Yeah, you're in your like old oh, cult pictures. You had like the poofy bangs. <laughs> you know what? They. I just swear, you. I just look like I'm 35, <laughs> and I'm like 15 to 19, 22 years old in those pictures, and I just look so overly mature. It, it, it like the one where I have I have the roses and the plaid shirt, plaid dress, and my hair is just like all like a foof. Um, <laughs> that was actually for Bill's birthday. Those flowers were for Bill. And I think I'm 19 and I look like I'm 35. So, but I, let me tell you, I knew how to, I knew how to curl my hair. Like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Did you have to uh, sleep with the curlers in? Nope. Did that. I would get up Ooh. two hours before we would have to go to our morning. Uh, we had morning meetings up at the PC uh, production center. Sorry. Oh, work talk. But um, before we had our morning meeting every morning, uh, it was like, I think it was usually like 730 or 8 o'clock. I would get up two hours beforehand to do the stupid hairdo. Man. Yeah. Oh. That is a lot. Yeah. And he didn't like, my hair is really straight. And he didn't like that it was super straight. And apparently we were getting a little lax at headquarters. This is where the oomph thing came in, uh, in the story. But he didn't like that the girls were starting to just kind of like, I don't know, get relaxed about doing their hair and making it all floofy. And so he basically offered, so any girl that has issues with their hair and needs to uh, get more products or things that you need to get your godly curly hair, let me know. And I was like, well, I'm going to run myself to Walmart right now. Thank you very much. And I bought like I bought everything, <laughs> products and tools and everything. And then I brought the receipt and I'm like, here you go. And he's like, okay, take it up to purchasing and they'll give you cash. That's incredible. Yeah. He was amped. Way to game this Hell system. Hell yeah, I'm not going to pay for that myself. <laughs> and start your real career And here now. I am. And I don't do any of the things I did yes. back then because they were not correct. <laughs> did you wear those... Um, <gasps> those like the the, the pioneer dresses <laughs> with like the the big collars are you kidding me yes that was my that's that's the whole mo friend the peter pan collars the big bows at the neck trust i have lots of pictures and receipts for that stuff yes and my skirts uh, uh contrary to the duggars no offense but uh <laughs> they aren't my ati because our skirts were down to our ankles this this hullabaloo of wearing them at your knee i'm like i don't know you people like we had to wear skirts all the way down to our ankles because even our ankles were lustable yeah. and my clavicles had to be covered because my clavicles were lustable i couldn't wear short sleeves um up like they could be at my elbow but they couldn't show my upper arm so i had a lot mm -hmm. more guardrails around what i could wear and how i could act bill actually told me at one point that my eyes were open too big when i talked to boys and that made them seem like they that i was more interested in what they had to say and so for a week and a half at headquarters i walked around squinting my eyes when boys would come and talk to me <laughs> because i didn't want to be perceived as a promiscuous woman wow. <laughs> you know who like shana from love See, is blind my... that's the <laughs> The See my my oh, IFP God, was stop. You did not. <laughs> or um who who was it? Who's the other funny the um um a Brittany Dawn. <laughs> that's that's who recovered. looks like that cuz she like if, if you look at her every time she she looks like she's like either tired or she's like really scrutinous. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're too interested. If you're expressive, well, you're you're more of a, a fun social butterfly, and that's wrong. You're leading men on. Yeah. So ridiculous. See, but... <laughs> so dumb. <sighs> I've said this before, but I don't think you've ever seen it, ever heard it come out of my mouth. So I grew up IFB, but I knew IBLP people because we were uh, involved with SM Davis's oh, church. Um, Yuck. Yeah. Fuck him. He's Terrible an soul. awful, awful, awful yep. human person. We got um, sent an entire box of like all of his CDs and DVDs. We have all of his DVDs. Oh. Yeah, every single one of them. And we're going to do content on it eventually. You're going to need lots we of alcohol and things. <laughs> SM Davis <laughs> drinking game. That's what's going to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to be tossed in like five minutes, honey. <laughs> R.I.P. me. I'm just. Yeah, I'm not going to serve my life. will be destroyed. Alcohol poisoning immediately. Story where a rebellious teenager dies. Okay, and I'm drunk in the first five minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, like I knew all these. Like I, that's okay. Like no, I I had social connections to some IBLP kids, and I remember um, growing, being a teenager, like late teens, kind of weighing the benefits of if I should try to go IBLP or not, because I had no idea about the, the teachings or how they are similar or different from more mainstream Hiles IFB. But what I knew is that IBLP girls had to have T-length skirts. So below the widest part of your calf is how long T-length is. They had to have looser skirts than I did and sleeves to the elbows. And I had currently skirts two inches below the knees, standing, sitting, and kneeling, mid-bicep shirts, and three fingers from the collarbone necklines mm. so i knew that i would have to shape up my dress standards a little bit but i also knew that the iblp kids got to hold hands while they were engaged which sounded really really good to Was me at the, the time sacrifice worth it <laughs> so i literally remember having very long conversations with myself about eh, i'd have to really get those necklines up because i didn't really care much about the sleeve length or the skirt length but the neckline yeah. thing kind of bothered me because i don't like having anything um neck or wrists i can't wear mm -hmm. bracelets i don't like anything constricting my wrists all my sleeves get pushed mm -hmm. up immediately as soon as my shirt's on so oh, i just did this and i said shirts <laughs> on which is going to tempt all the men because that implies that there are Wait. times when it's not on. Oh. Holy cow. <laughs> I am warning. such a temptress today. <laughs> I know. But I, you know, I really seriously considered like, yeah, I mean, it's harder to find clothes and you really have to make most things yourself. But I can hold hands once I'm engaged. Yeah. I really want to hold oh, somebody's hand. So. And then you could be shiny, happy people holding hands. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that was... Except for I didn't know that song because that's yep, worldly. We didn't either. <laughs> Straight to hell. <laughs> so we are we 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 don't have too much time left, but I do want to hear about Chad and Lindsay's epic adventure to IBLP headquarters. <laughs> do, 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 do. Please tell us everything. So this adventure started because I simply wanted to, as I say, get eyes on the property. I wanted to see it one more time. Um, I was aware that they were potentially trying to sell it. I was aware that Bill wasn't there anymore. I was aware that they'd sold off all the furniture. Um, so it just seemed like a fire sale was going on. And I thought at some point, if the opportunity presents itself, I want to go. And it just so happened that my husband had a conference in Milwaukee. And I'm like, hey, 
I'm going to fly with you and drive down. So I told Chad, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And he was like, uh, can I come with you? And I was like, really? And we hadn't met yet in person. And so I was like, if you want, sure. What better place? Let's meet on the grounds of IBLP. <laughs> so, uh, Chad was a little hero and drove up and we met there and, <laughs> Oh, Chad, I feel like you should tell this part of the story because you were you were kind of watching all this. And for me, I was like going through my trauma at the same time. I would like to start by saying that uh, when we did finally meet, um, you pulled up in a Maserati. <laughs> oh, uh, which I will never not tell that detail. Hell yeah. Hell and yeah. yeah. There was a reason it for a it. Rental. Like there was a whole mix up at the uh, <laughs> rental uh, agency and everything. They gave gave him a discounted upgrade. Yeah. It was a whole thing. So Lizzie comes pulled up in a Maserati, and my first thought is, okay, so we're doing this clandestine. We're a low key. No one's going to see us coming, <laughs> right? So, I want to know what you were listening to when you pulled up. Oh, do you want to know? Oh yeah. Do you want, Question. You want- yes. Well, when we were pulling up, yeah, running up that hill. Hell yeah, Kate Bush. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Oh shush. That is. Don't you. <laughs> You're that like, really? works. <laughs> no, that's a good sound. It just came on the radio, like, or on my. I had my iPod in, but we or iPod. Wow. Oh my gosh, how old am I? Uh, Spotify was on. <laughs> but yeah, that was playing as we were like pulling up and seeing the big production center. Which we pulled up, and the first thing I noticed was there were no identifying signs anywhere on the property that identified it as IBLP. <laughs> they clearly had been there before. They're gone now. Like everything's been taken down. The buildings are still very much there. So there are a few no trespassing signs on some of the buildings across from the production center. Uh, But the main production center does not have those. We parked in the parking lot. I'm looking around at like some of this old furniture and just utter broken shit that they have laid out in the, uh, in the loading dock area. And Lindsay, as I'm looking over this, Lindsay's over there. She is already pulling on doors. Okay, like she goes straight to it. I, I'm still planning an attack. She is full on berserker <laughs> mode. So and she's like Eric Andre. That's what I'm yes. Don't let me in. It's just real. It's so weird to go back to something like that because I went. I was there for almost three years in like a, a pivotal, not pivotal, but like a strong point in my life where I'm like, this made such an impact on me, and I was just like, I does. I felt this feeling like I deserve to go in here. Like I, I don't. You almost feel like you kind of own the place in a weird way, even though you don't. Um, and I went to open the door, and there were like locks on it, and I was like, oh. And then I was like, wait a minute, I did not come all this way to just go get back in that car. And I went and I tried, I was like, maybe the, the loading dock is open. And sure enough, I opened, I <laughs> turned the knob and it opened and I looked at Chad and I'm like, you coming with me? We do. And he's like, yeah, I'll follow you. You're going to do this. And I'm like, in we go. <laughs> and we, it was, it was almost like a horror film because it is just, it is empty. There is almost nothing in there and there's almost nobody in there. And we're just like, Hello? hello, hi, anybody there? Like, as we just walk through and I told Chad, I'm like, we're just going to act like I'm just like giving you a tour of the place. And I'm just going to, you know, not act like it, but I'm literally giving you a tour. And so if someone stumbles upon us, you know, what are you guys doing in here? It's like, well, we're door was open. Here we are giving you a tour. And to paint the picture, you know, I'm just dressed in, you know, just regular street clothes, like button up shirt, but I'm clearly not IBLP approved. I'm with Lindsay, who at this point has pink hair and is wearing pants and has, you know, a big old hat on and everything. Like, you know, we're 
very clearly not ATI people at this point. It's I've got like sparkle rainbow shoes on and a bright true. sweater and mm. crazy black nails and jewelry everywhere and black frame glasses, which weren't allowed on women because, you know, it distracts from your countenance somehow. I don't understand. And then the big old hat. I trap for sure. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. I, w I was a full eye trap. I had my tightest jeans on. Let me tell you. And also like you're the, you're the two of you together and your body language probably doesn't exactly scream married no. couple with 14 no. children. <laughs> <laughs> we and neither one of you is wearing, you know, ostentatious wedding ring or anything like just, that. Just me to try to. <laughs> Chad wasn't yeah. though. No, it's it's. Uh, how did Chad and Lindsay die? Oh, they uh, broke into an abandoned cult headquarters. <laughs> there, there, there was one point where uh, some like down in like the warehouse area, all the lights were off, and I just looked at Chad and I'm like, "That's where people like that's where we die in the horror film. Like this is we don't let's not go down there. We got to go the other direction." <laughs> so the, uh, the the there was a definite Scooby Doo vibe to this entire thing there was like this haze in the air yeah you're you're you're, you're ready to hear like you know ghosts come in with like one of their songs ready for the chasing to start and uh, <laughs> that's for saying what is what is that the intro intro to uh, uh, oh that's the intro to dance macabre mm. oh yes yeah yeah. All right. Anyway, L like uh, the extended intro to that song. That's what yeah. I would hear coming on. I could, I could see that. So we go all the way up to Lindsay's office, and which is on the third floor of this building. And she showed me around. There was like a chair and a very actively used shredder uh, in her office. And it's massive with three big bags of garbage around it. Oh yeah. no! There is. Uh, there's. Oh, there's if a you could have stolen one of the bags and put it back together, like in the first season of Better Call Saul. Yes. So, so we. Uh, I'm looking in the next room, and there's like clear indentations of where large filing cabinets have been. Lindsay's over there, happy as a clam. Like, oh, this is where your files would have been. This is where this, you know, all this sort of thing. And I see a man sitting in a corner office, like the only office that actually has anything in it. I see him sitting with his back to us and everything. And I grab Lindsay and I pull her into the next room. And I'm just like, okay, situation. We have someone. <laughs> it was almost like, <laughs> okay. it was almost like, Hey Scooby, get over here! And he like pulled, pulled me yeah. over, and he was like, "There's a man in that office across there. What do you want to do?" And I was like, "Uh, who is it?" And you know, so I peek my head out, and it was, it, I thought it was someone. I thought it was Tim Lewandowski, who's now the director of the IBLP. And so I was like, "Well, I know him. Like he he knows who I am." And I was like, "Again, I had this thought. I'm like, I did not come all this way." to get chicken shit and leave. And so I looked at Chad and I'm like, let's just call out and say, hello, anybody there? Cause you know, ah. so we did again. I don't know what the heck possesses me when this shit happens, but I was just like boldly go where I've never gone before. <laughs> so, so we call out and we hear this much older voice. So we clearly was not Tim Lewandowski, but this much older voice going, hello. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And out comes this individual that I knew um from back when i was at headquarters and i was just mm -hmm. like oh my gosh and and i kind of blacked out for a hot second because i couldn't believe that this was actually the oh i'm in front of somebody and i haven't been in ati and iblp for over 20 years and now i'm standing in front of somebody who you know used to be an authority over me 
And um, so we started talking. He recognized who I was, uh, said my name. And I was just like, did I, I still to this day, I'm like, Chad, did I say, did I introduce myself or did he say my name first? Pretty sure he said your name first. It was trippy. And I'm like, he, I'm he said in his a name, disguise. He, he was like, he was like <laughs> yeah, he, like, like he said your name, you said his name. And I was just like, donkey. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> who the hell am I? I've never been to headquarters. <laughs> So the whole the whole thing it, it, it got really weird because it, there was just this little old man sitting back there, uh, and it looked like you know the the groundskeeper from every Scooby Doo episode. So we're going with the whole Scooby Doo theme all the way. Just this random old dude in the one office that is fully furnished, has all the cult books in it, and looks like it's normal operations where everything else has clearly been ripped apart. Yep. I will point out though. There was one piece of wall art, one of the few things that was still remaining hanging in that building right outside his office. I got a good look at it uh, as we were talking. It was a sermon, frame sermon called uh, Others May, You Cannot. And I highly encourage anyone to look it up. There is it, the gist of the little sermonette is basically God may choose some people to go out and do big public wonderful things and he but he will most likely put you somewhere where you're working in the background and you just need to deal with that right and mm -hmm. i told lindsay as we were leaving out in this maserati uh <laughs> that uh <laughs> that for all the ostentatiousness that iblp had and you know still wants to claim to this day and all the you know big fancy conferences that bill had uh, where he stood up in front of people and as much as they tried to relegate us to the background especially people like lindsay uh who worked at headquarters basically they were building their empire on our backs we got out we escaped we are the others and yes we can mm -hmm. we looked at each other yes we looked at each other can. and we were like holy shit we're the others we may others may you cannot we may we're others now thank you by the way he that did give us full permission to go around the property and take pictures which we very clearly clearly did none of this had anything to do with the documentary we just did this because we damn well wanted to yeah yeah <laughs> so they're selling this building they're uh or they're uh, uh getting rid of it if you could buy this building and turn it into anything what would you buy it and turn it into bird sanctuary bird sanctuary interesting i kind of dig it what about you Lindsay? i think it's center for the abused yeah yes i like that mm-hmm and it may it right right now there there have been talks about it or there there have been from what we've discovered online there's like a, a nursing home that's kind of interested or like a senior living facility and mm -hmm. i think it would be so apropos to like let bill go and you know stay there in his final days if that happens poetic justice love that um i have learned that using burning white sage to cleanse a space is actually a closed practice that should be safe for indigenous people but i have been looking into alternatives that are white girl appropriate um i know that lavender is one and there are some other alternatives so i cannot offer to sage that building but i have a lot of shit that i can come burn and like try to cleanse the aura <laughs> whatever it becomes i would say next. raise it to the ground like just just yes. tear it down i could accidentally drop my yeah or let's all stick. go and be those little atoms that explode and we'll just all stand around it and we'll mind meld the thing into the ground that would i will um offer i i will like stand 50 feet away and let the actual ideal people 
IDLP people do that, but I'll just like send you my mental energy to like supercharge somebody else. We've already said like if <laughs> if these if they if they do end up like destroying these buildings, I want to I want to find the construction company and I want to ask them if I can be go in there and sledgehammer. I like please let me have a day where I can just like go ham in that building or push the plunger if they blow it up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let me but you also ought to like you should get to take home like a broken piece of it it's like having a piece of the no i think wall, that right? would be taking bad juju home i don't want anything to do with that place oh. nope. i i have the trauma I memories see. i don't need a rock or a piece of glass for it <laughs> see yeah I I i'll bring it home and send it stuff. to you sadie <laughs> you can hold on to it for me <laughs> oh i'll take it i this whole this whole closet is full of sketchy um i would bring you stuff. a piece of red carpet Ooh, yeah, yeah. I, you know what I would happily accept a piece of it. I um I like to keep all my stuff in one place where it's like not interacted with by my kid. But other than that, I kind of like taking on the dark energies of my cult memorabilia. It's like your it's like your um uh what is what is that movie where they they have all the relics, all the evil relics, uh con the Conjuring. You know they the Conjuring where they have that yeah. room full of evil relics. I feel like that's what your little closet is. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to make it into. Well, Chad, I think you got one of the best one of the best lines in the documentary, although of course everybody's story, everybody's words were wonderful. But you said that all we had to do was talk. All that, we had to do was talk. You got them running scared. That actually came about from a uh, conversation I had with Heather Heath one time, um, where we were talking about this in regards to her book. And it just hit me at that point. I was like, you know, the the one thing that has worked in dealing with this cult and trying to take it down and trying to lessen its influence is shining a light and just telling exactly what happened. They can't deal with that. They have spent so much time and energy silencing people who wanted to tell their stories and never addressing anything amongst themselves, never admitting to themselves that they were wrong. So in order to bring them down, we have to realize you know, those of us who got out, we have the power to do it. All we have to do is talk and say what happened when it happened and that it was wrong. And so far that's been working and little by little, it's taken us a long time. A lot of us have been talking for years, as you well know, but one thing that I said over and over during this documentary, as it was playing and I watched it for the first time is they listened the cast and crew of, of this documentary did listen to our stories. They did it justice. They backed up every claim we made with the words of IBLP themselves. And that is huge. Yeah. The more light we shed on things like this. And this is why things like your podcast are so important mm -hmm. because simply stating what happened is powerful in and of itself. And that is the best weapon we have against these cults. Stop. <laughs> I'm the only one. Now now it's going to be my turn to cry. No, I I think it's such a gift to be able to be an IFP survivor and stand in solidarity with those of you who survived IBLP. I don't ever want to conflate them as the same group because so many rules and so many traumatic teachings and toxic teachings are held in common. But this is your moment. This is Heather's moment and Eve's moment and all of y'all's moment. But I'm so happy that 
we get to be the support support staff for this one. I and if I don't know how much you've seen in our podcast Facebook group, but we have people from all sorts of different backgrounds who related to one thing in the documentary or related to this thing and that thing and who are all listening and all believing you and all hearing you and all supporting you. Thank you guys so much for speaking out. It's a great feeling. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for being here on our show and for sharing such a important time with us. I really appreciate your vulnerability and your hilarity and everything else that you brought to our recording and shared with our oh, audience. You guys, this has been, it's been so incredible. I find that these conversations are actually more healing for me than so many other things that I've, you know, tried to do to feel better. It's, it's amazing when you meet other support staff, <laughs> as you call it, like it's, I mean, we are adjacent, you know, in those, in these traumas. And I just really appreciate again, even as Chad echoed, just that you guys have created this beautiful space for people to hear more and to learn more. And it does feel safe to be able to be a fundy and listen to this and learn a little bit more. And, you know, potentially open up the ears of so many people who are not always interested in understanding more. And you guys break it down so effectively that I just I'm constantly recommending your podcast to people because I'm like this, they say it better. Like, I'm not going to make TikTok videos about this. Just go and listen to what Sadie and Gavi have to say, because they are really freaking good. Well, thank you. That's that's very kind of you. And it means so much for us to hear you say something like that. It, it really does. It really does. And I think where our traumas coincide, we can cry on each other's shoulders. And where yours is different, I want to be the person behind you holding your hand and you go, you talk about it. I believe you. I hear you. I listen. And where mine is different, you're doing the same thing right behind me. And I think that is the most power that we can have as survivors of two things that are different, yeah. but are so similar. I think there is so much power in that crossover of support that we can give each other. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. More and more and more people are speaking out every day. Would you like to... Um, promote any social media handles where our audience can learn more about you anything else that you have that needs promoting i'm arch radish pretty much everywhere um on tiktok primarily i'm also i promise i'll do more with instagram and twitter when i get to it and i do have a uh reddit ama happening on uh fundy snark uncensored uh it will be this friday at God, what was it? Oh, sorry, three central. Uh, or you can just you know check the subreddit. Uh, that will be uh, depending on when you're listening to this. That will be June 9th. So yeah, if if you listen to it uh, and you have a chance to hop in, love to answer your questions. If you're a little late for that, uh, yeah, read what was <laughs> read what was said. It was great. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping to have this out on the eighth. So that's perfect timing. <laughs> My uh, my handle on TikTok is Colt Chronicles, 
And over on Instagram, it's the Colt Chronicles, you know, because sometimes you can't get your username everywhere. Um, but I have a link tree in my all of my bios. And I would just say go and check out the link tree for a lot of stuff because there are podcasts and YouTube things and who knows what else <laughs> is coming up from the documentary. So I'm just going to keep putting links in there if people are curious, because I'm sure as I go across different conversations that different things will be talked about. I'm sure the same with Chad, too. So, you know, that's what we got. And our <clears throat> co-conspirator, Heather Heath, is at Backslid and Harlot on TikTok, B-A-C-K-S-L-I-D-D-E-N-H-A-R-L-O-T. Um, you can certainly find her. You can certainly find her through my TikTok or Lindsay's or Chad's. They are all <laughs> interconnected and, and referencing each other all the time. Um, and her book, Lovingly Abused, is currently sold out, but it is available in places where you get books. And I hope that she'll be able to do a restock very soon. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. It was really great to have Chad and to have um, Lindsay come on our show. Uh, as we just said, make sure that you follow Chad at Arch Radish on uh instagram and tiktok make sure you follow Lindsay. she is at the cult chronicles on instagram and at cult chronicles on tiktok um and and uh, it was so great to have them on there and it was a great conversation i'm so thankful that we were able to sit down with both chad and Lindsay to get this episode out and into your ears by all means follow them and i'm very excited to see where they go next in this world of exposing the IBLP for what it really is and was. Yeah, I feel like we've just scratched the surface and we're, it's like the tip of the iceberg and more and like every week I see more and more and more and more people coming out and, and talking about this. And I think that's a good thing. Um, the best thing that we can do is, is to really shine a light on this stuff that's going on. Um, as always, if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, um make sure that you uh you could join our patreon which is patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast where there's extended uncensored ad-free versions of most of our episodes um you can join our facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash eden exodus to join in the discussion you can join our subreddit reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus you can um if you're once again if you're new to the show there's a couple of episodes that you can go back and you can check out you can check out episode 57 which is our primer episode for new listeners you can go back and check out our episodes that are about the duggers um from the we have episodes about the duggers we have episodes about bill gothard we have episodes um reviewing the iblp seminars we have episodes um uh, uh, when we recapped the Josh Duggar trial. So if that's what you're interested in, we've got those episodes as well. Anything else to say before we tell everybody goodbye? I don't think so. All right. Um, yeah, and you can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Leaving Eden Podcast. Sadie, uh, your social media? You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, on Twitter at Hell Yeah Sadie, and on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow me on Instagram at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day. Bye bye.
so thankful I decided to change.